0: Thank you for joining me for an all-new episode of Heartfelt Consciousness. I am your guide, Laura Bender. Uh, so today's guest is Christian Della um, and he has 30 years of experience uh, as a sought-after spiritual teacher, personal transformation coach, leading voice in uh, the breathwork community. So he's actually traveled the world offering inspiring and transformational retreats combining psychology, spiritual teachings with law- lasting and life changing effects. So um, he's also an author, which we kind of talk about his book a little bit um, that was released last year called awakening the soul of power. And it's described as a balm for the soul uh, for anyone searching for the truth and answers of life's difficult questions. So So thanks again for listening here today. Um, And I will check in with you on the other side. All right. Well, welcome, Christian. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you.
1: Thank you so much, Laura. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to be here. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Awesome. Um, So I would really love and I'm sure the listeners would as well, um, just a little bit about your journey with breath work, because you did. We were just kind of talking before you even we started recording about um, the different retreats that you offer and teacher trainings and things like that. So would you mind kind of going into that a little bit?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, Yeah. Well, let's zoom out a little bit and, and acknowledge for for your audience who probably know that breath work is a very large umbrella term mm-hmm. and there are a lot of breathing techniques, breathing practices, you know, a lot of pranayama techniques that, that are taught at, at, in yoga classes, the breath work. When I, when I talk about breath work, it, it's a longer practice. You breathe in a certain way, in a circular connected way for about an hour, an hour and a half. Some, some uh, modalities go longer, like three, four hours. Mm-hmm. And it's really powerful. I, You know, I I don't know. I've yet to come across anything that heals as quickly and as profoundly. And in so many levels, not only emotionally, I don't know anything that's more effective with past trauma, um, mentally, um, uh, spiritually, and even physically. And I know that sounds too good to be true.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But, you know, for my more rational, scientific, more skeptical part of my mind is like, that still sounds too good to be true, even though I've been saying that for 30 years. Yeah, um, And yet I can't argue with the results. It works and it works fast. And in fact, my very, very first session, um, after one session, I was never the same. And I'd been on a track to get a PhD in psychology. My, my dad was a psychiatrist. I come out of that psychotherapy tradition. Mm-hmm. And after that one session, I jumped tracks. I never went for the PhD because of what I was saying, that it worked so fast and and with all due respect to the okay. psychotherapy process and in, in the right hands with with clear goals and intentions it can be very very supportive mm-hmm. and we all know that you can sit on somebody's couch for 10 20 30 years at a time rehashing the same old crap and yeah. nothing happens because yeah. what what's going on is that we 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 get stuck in the story and and that trauma no longer lives in the mind it's been somaticized. it's it's, it's been Pushed down and now lives in, in the tissues of the body. Oh, you know, all those repressed emotions and all that kind of stuff. And no amount of talking is going to get to it. The beauty of breathwork is that it bypasses the mind. And it's like, I call it spiritual draino. It just goes. <laughs> in, I love it.
0: Love into that. The,
1: yeah. And it just clears all that crap quickly. So it's actually a great adjunct to therapy. Like I have therapists who send yes. people to me, people who are plateaued. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who kind of stuck or, or if, and they come even just do a session with me and it just gets things moving
0: again. Awesome. That's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I, I could agree with that as well. It's something that has been now part of my practice really for over the past year. I, I feel like I dove more into it when I had more time, obviously I was, because the pandemic kind of offered that to us.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, but anyway, um, so the, actually the breathwork practices that you teach around different, around the country, maybe even world, um, you know, you have the title soulful breathwork. So what does soulful power mean to you?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And and that's what the book that I just wrote. Mm-hmm. Well, God, it's going on a year. I can't believe how fast time <laughs> is going. Yeah. It came out last October, last fall. So, you know, the, the, what I've realized as, as I've been doing retreats um, for 30 years plus and and on this theme of personal empowerment and particularly women's empowerment mm-hmm. for the last probably 10 years, what I've, what I've come to realize is that most of us have an ambivalent, conflicted relationship to power. Part of us wants it, part of us is afraid of it. And I think what we fear, like what's at the core of that is that if, if we really stepped into our power, if like we really beed all of who we are at, at our maximum potential that other people couldn't handle it, that they would be threatened, that they would reject us, and we would, might end up alone. We also fear that we might abuse it and cause harm to, to our relationships. And, and no wonder, like all we got to do is turn on the news on any given day to witness at least one abuse of power. And also, we've been uh, conditioned to believe that power is bad, power is negative, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. What they didn't tell us, though, is that that quote by Lord Acton was speaking specifically about political power, mm. not personal power. And so, when you add to that mix the fact that we've been conditioned to 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 think of the emotions as weakness. You know, when the emotions, which is a ridiculous thing, because emotions are like everything else, energy, neither strength, nor weakness, not good, nor bad. They're just energies coursing through our bodies. How we express them, you know, depends on depending on that, they have a good or not so good effect. Um, So when you put all that into, into the mix, we hate conflict. We avoid confrontation. What happens is that we end up giving our power away, our innate, inherent power that no one can give to us no one can take away. We are the only ones who can give it away. And the tragic part is that we give it away for lame reasons. And, and we settle for less, we we play small, we say yes, when inside we really feel no. and And for an illusion of security, a false sense of acceptance, and morsels of pseudo love. And so what this book, Talks about is like, wait a minute, you know, there's a different way that we can step into power that doesn't have to be associated with fear or force or or abuse or manipulation or control that doesn't require that we push anybody down, step on them in order for us to to prop ourselves up and 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 feel powerful. Um, and so how do we do that in a different way? And I talk about how there's worldly power or ego power mm-hmm. and the innate power that we were just talking about is, you know, I refer to it as soulful power or spiritual power.
0: Yeah. That's wonderful. I really love, I I love that. And actually it's ironic that we're having this conversation today. I feel like I'm going through a lot of awakening processes myself just recently. Um, And I have a friend that I've been speaking with and yeah, this is really, this is really connecting, resonating resonating with me right now. (laughs) Um, So. Love that. My next question kind of, again, centralizes around the book that you published last year in 2020, uh, Awakening the Soul of Power. So how to live heroically and set yourself free. What actually inspired you to write this book?
1: Well, it's another big question,
0: yeah.
1: um, which I can answer in different ways, but let me answer it this way. <laughs> um, I'm one of nine kids um, It's a large Catholic family, my mm-hmm. older sister, who's like two years older than... Than I am. When we were kids, she was like one of these natural born leaders. Like she would boss and not only the nine of us around, but the entire neighborhood of like 15 kids. And not in a bossy way. It's just like, hey, let's go do that. And we would all say, Yeah, okay, let's all go do that. Go do that. And so when she hit puberty, something happened. And and I don't know whether somebody said something to her. Or whether she just picked it up from from you know osmosis from, through osmosis from that from society's conditioning that women don't behave that way, mm-hmm. and she turned that power off and and kind of assumed as uh, Mother Teresa. I mean, she's an incredible, beautiful, brilliant human being, but in terms of that expression of power, she turned it off, and and I always found that really tragic. And then probably fast forward maybe ten years ago. I had submitted a book proposal to a literary agent in New York that I was working with at the time. I don't know if you've ever seen a book proposal, but it's like a huge term paper. No,
0: I haven't yet, but maybe someday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a goal. It's intense. It's like yeah. it had taken me three months to put one together. Wow because um, there's this whole like marketing analysis. What else is out that there that's similar? How is yours different? Why are you the one to 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 deliver right. this message? How are you going to do that? Who's your audience and all this stuff? So she said, well, yeah, great. I like it. Let's. I want to work with you. And let's see some of these marketing ideas that you've been talking about. Let's see them. I want to see them implemented before we pitch, a, pitch it to a publisher, mm-hmm. which would have taken me probably a year to implement that marketing wow. plan. So <laughs> I was like, yeah. You know, putting on the brakes. <laughs> I was spending the advance in my mind already. And, and and then it was like, it sent me into crisis. Like, okay, what am I going to do now? If this is not what I'm going to do next, obviously, what is? And then it, in, in those three days, it was like, it was one of those palm to the foreheads, duh, you know, like moments because a month before sitting in meditation for the only the second time in my life. Well, now it's happened three, but this was only the second time in like, you know, 30 years that I've been doing this. And I heard audible words, like words that I could actually hear that were not inside of my head. And, and the words were the soul of power. And I thought I got up from meditation. And I was like, Oh, what a what a great concept. I got the URL and forgot about it. Just kept on going with my life. So in, a month later, when I was in this question of like, what am I going to do next? It suddenly dawned on me, you know, I've been saying for years, like, the single most important thing that needs to happen in this world is the empowerment of women. And not to put women up on a pedestal, not to idealize women. Women are also capable of abusing power. It's not to give women more crap that they have to do and clean up <laughs> in this world. It's because we've been working so off-kilter so off balance where it comes to the balance between the masculine and the feminine energies. And and I believe that when women are in 50% of power in the world, we're gonna have a very different relationship to war and poverty and hunger and social justice and wealth distribution and healing and how we treat the environment and all of it. So, So when I think about strategically, what can we do? What's one thing that we could focus on that will then impact everything else? That's what I land on. And so solo power, empowerment of women's like, duh, like, or how do we do (laughs) power in a different way? Yes. Yeah.
0: Awesome. So, you know, we had a, you know, last year was definitely different for everyone. Um, You know, you were able to publish this book, which is amazing. Um, But what do you feel is the most valuable lesson that you learned during 2020?
1: Hmm. You know, for me, Laura, it's like, like you're alluding to, um, the mandatory global timeout mm-hmm. without minimizing the tragic aspects of it and all the death and, you know, economic challenges and all that, um, for me, it was a blessing mm-hmm. because I went from a hundred thousand miles on a plane yearly, uh, to zero. And 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 that's what gave me the opportunity to finish this book that I've been brewing. I mean, not working on it consciously, but brewing and working, you know, writing a little bit here, a little bit there for the last 10 years. And it gave me that window of time to, to finish it. The other thing it did for me is that I've known for years, like I needed to develop virtual programming, you know, because there are people maybe in other parts of the world or for whatever reason are never going to come to one of my retreats. And, um, so I've known this and COVID forced my hand, my, my income mm-hmm. went to zero, you know, because it, it was all based on, um, breath work, yeah. um, you know, either private sessions or groups or retreats. And suddenly it's like, even though it would have been so helpful, um, but we just couldn't do it. We couldn't be in a, in a room breathing powerfully together. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly I had to, and, and. I'm really grateful for that because I'll go back to doing retreats, of course. They're amazing because they combine the, the, the psycho-spiritual teachings, understanding how the mind works, the patterns of self-sabotage, why we do the things we do, why we find ourselves in these self-defeating, self-sabotaging sabotage behavior patterns and relationship patterns that sometimes feel like we're stuck in the same old movie, it's maybe with a different actor, with a different co-lead, but it's the same boring movie with the same boring stuff coming up. Um, and so, but combining those understandings with the breath work, which is really, really powerful. And we do multiple sessions over the course of a weekend. But here's what I'm really appreciating about this this virtual stuff. I, I What I developed is the year-long coaching program. And what that allows me to do is to deliver the teachings piecemeal, so bite-size, mm. and and to make it interactive. So every week they get a little bit of content, manageable amount, because, because we're all super busy and, and overstretched, okay. but what makes the difference is the practices that go along with it, because that's what makes sure that those teachings and concepts don't stay at the conceptual level, like, what a great idea. We don't need more information. We've got information overload. What we need is transformation. And that's what those practices are designed to do, to apply them and integrate them into our lives. And then the other thing that allows the this year-long virtual program allows me to do is to put a, an element of accountability in, right? Because we know how easy, how easy it is to forget and to get distracted mm-hmm. with all the busyness of life. And, and all the flares of, of attraction that, that right. our, you know, that our, our ADD society just pulls us here and there. Um, and so we have biweekly coaching calls with me, which allows both that both that sense of support and community. I'm keeping the groups small around 20, 25. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that sense of accountability, like keeping us each other accountable for what we said we we're going to do. And so that's been an amazing experience, because what I've what I've seen over the course of the year is that some people will come to a weekend retreat and they have an amazing, expansive understanding, they see themselves in a whole different way. And then they go back into their lives. And if they don't have a a practice like meditation or yoga or mindfulness that I know you teach, um, if they don't have a, a support system or some kind of structure, it's easy to forget. And it's easy to get distracted. And then those old voices of fear and self-doubt um, start creeping up again and pulling them down. And, and so that's what I'm loving about this year long.
0: Yeah. And it's awesome that you were able to pivot and just kind of all of a sudden just shift to that because not everyone was able to do that. And they were, I know there were people that were just kind of like, what am I going to do? I feel like I was even kind of in that weird space. Like I wanted to, I wanted to embrace the online, but then we're like, oh, you know, everyone's online now, and how am I going to be different than anyone else? But made it work. Made it work.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely been good for you for doing this podcast. Yeah, that's that's stretching. That's that's, that's exactly.
0: We're here. Yeah, we're here (laughs) and we're here talking, and it's it's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Christian, for your time and energy today. I really appreciate you, um, yeah, just being a guest on the Heartfelt Consciousness podcast.
1: And thank you so much for having me. I, I, I enjoy the conversation and I'm really happy that we connected. Yeah. And thank you for, for doing what you do. Thank you for pivoting and for stretching beyond the comfort yes. zone.
0: <laughs> yes. Because
1: I know that you're reaching many people through this podcast and, yeah, and exactly. making a difference in heartfelt consciousness. Exactly. So, thank All right. You.
0: Well, you're very welcome. Have a great rest of your day.
1: All right. You too. Thanks.
0: I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Christian. So as always, don't forget to share, review, and subscribe. Be well, my friends.